go. We are in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So I invite you to turn there. Last week we started looking at indoctrination and the importance for it in our own lives as we study God's Word, that we understand the fundamental truths that we cling to and perhaps the uh, most epic truth uh, to a Jew uh, is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. And we talked about the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And what follows from that is the greatest commandment that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Um, and really how that plays out. We went in to discuss how that played out and discussing that, living that uh, with your children and your goings and your comings from that. And he also went on to discuss uh, the consequences of that uh, in verses 10 through 14 or 15. And we left off there last week. We're going to pick up and he's actually continuing the, the theme of warnings here. Um, so, uh, verses 16 through 19, David, would you read those, please? You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massah. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has promised. Okay. Asah. Boom. Which means probably nothing to most of us in here. But to the Jews it would. So we'll reference uh, back to that time. When you think back to Exodus, if you go to Exodus 20 there, you have the Ten Commandments. Exodus 12, you have the discuss, discussion of the Passover. Exodus 14 is the crossing of the Red Sea. So after they've crossed the Red Sea, they're en route to Sinai and they start to whine. And we're in the desert. There's no water here. Um, all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of Sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Should the people have worried about water? Yes or no? Okay, good. <laughs> Fighter pilot answer. Yes and no. Depends. It's dry. You need water. Yeah. How important is water? Can you go longer without water or food? Food. Can you go longer without air or water? Air. I think more water. Water, yeah, definitely. 
But, I mean, right after breathing, water is like next. There, you can go without food for a long, long, long time. Your body starts to digest itself, essentially. Um, But water, you need that. You need the water for that to happen. You need the water for the respiration. (coughs) There are all of those things. So, yes, they needed it. But So, yes, there is this need. However, why should they not worry about this? Okay, yeah, we know that. He's in control of our lives too, right? Right? Yes, yes, yes he is. But they had seen, you know, dramatic things. They'd seen the Red Sea split and them cross on dry land. They'd seen things that we really haven't seen. Who was leading them? Moses. The Lord was leading them. You know, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. You know, the Lord is leading them. Is he leading them in the desert to die? No, of course not. So if he's leading them, doesn't it follow that he would provide for them in some way, shape, or form? Now, would it be wrong to ask? That would that would be. You you could take that perspective. We look at Moses. He was called. Otherwise, he was. We are. Uh, you see that ultimately played out amongst many of the people, but this, Arnold, that is that is that is the crux of: Are you going to be a a person of faith, or are you going to live like the world? Are you going to kind of sort of believe, yeah, okay, we saw this, but we are going to see people follow hard after God in this section in the wilderness. And we're going to find people who don't. And they get sucked up by the ground. Why? I don't know. Some believe and some don't. Happens in every church, happens in every family. You know, at some generational level, some somebody's gonna go, I got nothing for it. Maybe the whole generation <laughs> turn their backs on the living God. Why does he save some and not others? I don't know. But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled. Down in verse 7 of chapter 17 of Exodus, it says, And he called the name of the place Massah means testing, and Meribah, which means quarreling. The people grumbled against Moses. And who are they truly grumbling against? They're grumbling against God. So here in Deuteronomy with the next generation, lest they think God be like any of the gods of Egypt and and hopefully they don't because they saw his superiority against all of the, all of their gods in the ten plagues of Egypt. 
So they grumbled. How do we, how do we put God to the test? Regarding? It could be anything. Without prayer, without even thinking about God or anything uh-huh. else, just selfishly doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, how else? We put God to the test. such a mess it's such a it's such a knotted ball of string why don't we just cut it to pieces I think sometimes we even kind of try to force his hand by um, stating things as though God would want this to be um, I could think of specific examples It, it, Abraham, man of faith or a dirtbag? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that encouraging? Okay. He, he is a man of faith. He's in the hall of faith. He is the patriarch of patriarchs, the top of the patriarchal pyramid there. He is the father of Israel. He trusted God and it was considered to him as righteousness. And how did he try to make it work out? Okay. Here, here, take my handmaiden. Okay. You know, where, where's... And he consulted the Lord. Nah, nah, he didn't. How else did he doubt God? We need to talk to him. I am a man of old age. Asking Sarah to pretend to be his sister. Oh, twice. Twice. And Isaac followed suit. Twice. Yeah. But he's considered a man of faith and that's encouraging. That that doesn't exonerate him, and that doesn't mean, hey, it's okay to put God to the test. No. No, God exhorts us to trust in him. So not trusting, if, if I don't trust, if I do put God to the test, sometimes it leads to me trying to, I'm going to work it out, God, for you. Maybe Ishmael will be my heir. Maybe Eliezer and my clan, he's going to, Sarah's going to bear a child. How, how else does our not trusting bear on? Putting God to the test. We're impatient. 
Okay, we can be impatient. Ooh, I don't like that one. Let's move on. So, uh, you know, we got to do something. So we get, we get impatient or, or man, ooh. Some people have PhDs in worry. <laughs> they do. They do, and it, it's believers, and it's, they, they, they stress and fret about everything. Um, parents, parents are notorious, mothers especially so, about they're kidlets, yeah. They're kidlets. Oh, you put a coat on. You don't get shot. You wear bright orange. <laughs> you know, mom. <laughs> I'm not saying that was discussed at all. Uh, um, it's it's and it's it's tough. What what can you prevent in your child's life, parent? But even saying that, you know, that worry, you ask the question, what can you prevent? Well, the worry is part of the prevention. Okay, make sure you wear bright orange, make sure you wear your helmet. That's not worry. That's not worry. No. no. That's the prevention. Yeah, but it's not worry. It's part of the, the worry fix. Well... I would actually consider it worry because you're worrying. You're going to get hurt unless you don't wear this. You well, then why do you have to put a seatbelt on? I mean, that's not worrying. There's yeah. Just, there's a difference in being prepared and worrying. When you, when the child puts the coat on and you're still thinking about the child, that's worry. Yeah. You're still wondering. I'm not going to let my, my, my boys, as much as they probably wanted to, run naked in the snow. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it's like... Hey, I'm not that crazy. Put some clothes on. You know, you, there's, there's prudence, there's wisdom in a fallen world there to, you know, not ride a motorcycle drunk without a helmet on. I mean, come on, really? Um, putting, putting God to the test, anxiety, man, worry, oh. It just, it's, it's futile. It's futile. There's, there's so much you can't control. Absolutely tons you can't control. I mean, I, I love just the analogy as a believer of the farmer. What can the farmer do? Plant the seed. Plant the seed. What should he do before he plants the seed? Kill the earth. He's got to prepare the ground, doesn't he? Got to get the boulders out of the way. Maybe it's weed infested. Maybe firebomb the field first and then and then till it up. And he's got to plant the seed. Then what's he do? Water. Watch and wait. Okay. He may not be able to. I mean, think back to the day. Yeah, I was thinking today was irrigation. Yeah, today, you know, you just, you know, turn it on. It, it happens. I remember the first time flying out west and looking outside and seeing these big circles on the ground going, what? They're like all over the place. I didn't realize they had the arm, crop circles, arms, things to water the earth. It's crazy. From the Midwest where God did all the water and you didn't have to have those things. So, but, okay, so, but even, even then, rain is way better, but, okay, what else does he do besides water, maybe? 
Yeah, he may. Maybe he's got a crop duster come in and sprays for weeds or bugs or something. He waits. Huh? He waits. Yeah. What can't he control? If it grows or not. He can't. What might what might prevent his crop from growing? It doesn't rain. Period. Okay, no rain. Yeah, maybe there's some bizarre, you know, the, the blight of the year. That, wow, nobody saw that coming. You know, the flu strain of the year. But, yeah. What else can't he control? Yeah, critters, locusts. Oh, locusts come through. <coughs> Done. So, so who brings the crop in? God does. So what can you, you know, really, it's do what you can do and trust the Lord. That's all you can do. There, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's brought you to the place that you are, every one of you. Do what he has given your hand to do with joy and with all your might and trust him for whatever. Until you're dead. And then keep going. Whatever, you know. Hey, I want to, I'd like to open that door. And you try and open that door and it doesn't open. Move on. Some people want to take an axe and rip the door down. So, man. Why do we not trust him? Why would we forget who he is? Yeah, I got I, I got nothing for him. You know, I'm neglecting my relationship with him. It's not him. Yeah. I would, I would contend that if our relationship with God is strong, he's going to work on all of these issues, pride and worry and anxiety. Because if we are pursuing the living God, if, if we hear, O Israel, that the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and we are to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we're going to understand his primacy in everything. I, I have to know he's leading me. He may be leading me through a desert. But that desert may lead to a promised land. As saints, we know it is leading to a promised land. We are to set our minds on things above. Absolutely. But even in this life, we can have great joy going through the desert, going through travail, knowing that this pain and this agony is building perhaps in us or perhaps in those around us the evidences of God. Why does he do what, what he does? I don't know. I'm not, I ain't him. Don't put God to the test. 
On the flip side of that, so that's the negative, the positive would be in verse 17, to diligently keep the commandments of the Lord in his testimonies, in his statutes. Why did you give me three things? The word for commandment is mitzvah. Bar mitzvah. You know what bar means? Bing. Simon bar Jonah. Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. Son of Timaeus. Son. Son. Son of. Simon bar Jonah. Peter. That's Peter. Yes. Commandment. Yes. So when a young man has his bar mitzvah, he becomes a son of the commandment. You got that for free. <laughs> so comm- commandments. Uh, testimonies. What is a testimony? Excellent. It's a witness. You were witnesses to this lady laying on the side of the road going, there. And so you could tell the police officer what you saw. You're, you're a witness. What and is, is all of what God gives, has given to us, commandments? No. They're testimonies. What, what did the apostles primarily do in Acts? Were they building doctrinal arguments? No, they proclaimed the Of what? The works of Jesus. The what? The gospel. The gospel? You know, when you read through the initial sermons, what was the highlight of the testimony? The resurrection. Yes! That Jesus, whom you crucified, has been raised and is Christ. He is Christ, and that leads into the gospel and all that means. Why? Well, how come that was? What? That's extraordinary. Tell me more. So keep these, the, the testimonies. What testimonies are in the law? I'll go back to Genesis. I mean, Genesis 1 through Exodus 15... 17 is all narrative. It's narrative testimony. It is a witness to what is. There. Keep the commandments. How are you supposed to keep them? Diligently. Okay, what is implied on keeping something diligently? You do it constantly. Okay. Can I just kind of have a dude kind of attitude and keep the, you know, I think word's pretty important. You're diligent. You're going to have a purpose behind it. You're not just doing it for the sake of doing it. I do obey the law because that's what they said. Yeah. Our heart should be in it. Yeah. I forget who I was speaking to. Maybe it was, I don't remember. I won't even surmise. Um, 
to run a marathon. Oh, I want to run a marathon. It was Saturday morning. Saturday. Yesterday morning. I don't want to run a marathon. I'm going to do that tomorrow. Yeah, I know. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Well, I'll do it next week. No. It's going to require a long process. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to run three times this week. And then in January, I'm going to run three times. I'm never going to run a marathon. You have to run frequently and longer and longer distances. And you need to eat properly so your body has the fuel to burn on those long distances. And you probably got to make sure you take water with you on those because being running that long, you're going to need water along the way. You have to plan. You have to purpose in your heart. You have to, I'm going to set my schedule. You need to diligently keep the word of God and his testimonies and his statutes will get that word in a minute, it's interesting. Um, <coughs> but it requires you to work. You gotta know it. You gotta purpose in your heart, go, this is good for me. I need to do it. I want to hear it. Back then, not everybody had 50 million Bibles at their fingertips. So they had to listen to the rabbi and remember and what they heard from the rabbi, I got to tell my kids so I don't forget, so they don't forget. We're going to do this diligently. The word statute. What's, who, teachers, teachers in here, what's onomatopoeia? Yes. Bang. Bang is onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia. No, it is a word that sounds like what it is. The word bang is an onomatopoeia. Clunk. The word for statute is chuck. Comes from chukuk, which means to chisel. The word statute is chisel, like chiseled in stone, inviolable. This is a law. This is this is this does not change. God desires us to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. Okay, let's go back to the marathon example. Anybody ever... Think, hey, I'm gonna start running. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start running. Everybody for the New Year's resolution. How's that? How's that? How's that feel? Like that first time you go out running? Uh, why did I start? <coughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> stitch. You get the stitch. Oh man, this is crazy. How can anybody like this? Maybe the next day we'll try it again. It's like. <laughs> Your calves and your hammies are sore from two days ago. You go out and try to run. It's terrible. It's terrible. But comes a time. When you first started playing the piano, did you play like you do now? No. There are things he does on the piano he probably doesn't even think about. He just knows it now. Okay? 
How true is that of your walk with Christ? Initially, in our walk with Christ, things are awkward and we feel cumbersome doing these things. You know, I'm just, I feel like a klutz trying to learn tap dance. I've got no rhythm. It's not going to happen. But eventually my feet start working and knowing the way they're supposed to go. If we love the Lord, 6, 4, and 5, if I love the Lord and diligently seek after Him and I do His commandments, why not to get His favor but because I love Him and I do them, and I do them, and I do them, and I do them, what's going to start to happen to my life? It's going to become form. Yeah, it's going to be natural. How about my, how, what about my thinking? Will my, will I be more apt to discern and understand what is right without having the law in front of me. Yes, because my mind will be more and more the mind of Christ. It is, it becomes more natural. Then we still have the flesh warring against us going, whispering in our ears. But because the law is on our hearts, because I've hidden his word in my heart, it becomes a much more natural process to do what is right and what is good. He, he is our source and standard for what is right. And he is our source and our standard for what is good. To try and understand right and good apart from God is dopey. It's dopey. It becomes utilitarian. What's best for the most people? That may not be right. Why does God exhort them to keep his commandments and do what is right and good? Look in verse 18. Yes. Why does, why does God exhort them to obey his commandments and to do what is right and good? Then it may go well with them. <laughs> you know. God doesn't command us to make us miserable. God doesn't command us to make us miserable. Children. Okay, hopefully you guys are seeing it more and more. But those who are still in the home, sometimes it's like, why do they... 
because we want it to go well with you. Just as God wants it to go well with you. That is the purpose for law and order. That it would go well with you. How many times has that come up in our study here of Deuteronomy? Fifth time. Went, went back and counted. This is the fifth time. 440, 516, 533, 6.3, and 6.18. That it would go well with you. God's trying to emphasize, I want it to go well with you. I want you to succeed. He's the ultimate little league coach. God, I want you to get a hit. I want you to get a home run. I want us to win the game. I want you to succeed, but the only way that's going to happen is if you follow what I'm telling you. Only way it's going to happen. Nations will be thrust off, and you will go in as the Lord has promised. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Yes. Standing on the promises as the Lord has promised you. He has promised. This is God. This is the living God who does not go back on his word, whose word is sure. Promises. The Bible is full of promises upon which we can stand, upon which we can have encouragement of heart, soul, and mind. Here in this life, to stand on his promises as the Lord has promised. He emphasizes this. And now in bookending kind of this section of the chapter, he talks about in verse 7 about diligently teaching your children. And he comes back to it in verse 20. You know, this exalted purpose of when your son asks. Um, let's see. We'll just go, we'll go 20 all the way to 24. Uh, Stephanie, would you read 20 to 24? Or 20 to 25. Read the rest of the chapter. Okay. In the future, when your sons ask you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord your God commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But... He brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and keep alive as in the case today. And if we were, if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as He commands us, that will be our righteousness. Okay, so. In this, in this section was the sixth time God said that it's going to be good for you if you do all this. Sixth time. Right there in six chapters. When your son asks, oh, that our children would ask. Ask us. If they would, that'd be great. That'd be great. 
What's terrible is when they do ask and we go, ah, that's nothing. Or, I don't know. Go out and play. I mean, hopefully already you are living out 6, 4, and 5. And you are teaching your children diligently. But there may come a time where they come to us and ask the question. You know, what, what is the meaning of the gospel? Why is church such a big deal? Why, 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 why? And oh, that we would have an answer, that we would be ready to sit down and speak with our kids and never to dismiss them. Why the rules? Why the rules? What should their response be? To Israel. What was Israel's response and what Stephanie read? Lynn, what'd you say? What what's with the rules? You shall say to your son. And what goes on for like the next testimony? testimony. He's testifying. He gives a reason for the doing. He yes, okay, he does he does say do. Toward the end of it. But he goes on to testify what? What's he saying? He testifies about this great God that we serve. What has he done? What has he done? They, many of them, saw it. Some of them were probably too young to remember. But they've hopefully heard about it and maybe have a vague, foggy recollection like we do of our, you know, when we were three and four years old. Just snippets. That are floating around. What did he do? He rescued us. He did great wonders. He provided for us. He gave us a great law. Why? For our good always. For our good. For our good always. Verse 24. Why? For our good always. That he might preserve us alive as we are this day. Testify. Tell your kid. Tell your kid. You can, yeah, tell them about Israel. Yeah, that's great. You know what's better? Tell them about you. What did he bring you through to bring you to the place you are now? Well, I'm only 14. I don't care. You've got something. You have a testimony about your life who you are, where you are, what has God done for you? Eh, not much. Whoa. If you go, I, I, I got nothing. Yeah, I'll sit down and tell you what God's done for you. Just by the fact that you're sitting there and your heart's going... Boom, 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 boom. No. 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 He's doing this that he might do that this might happen. Not might like, oh maybe, but it's it's just a figure of speech to carry on, that this would then 
follow from that. I want to anchor in our last 10 minutes here on verse 25. Because for us as faith alone, Christ alone, grace alone, all that, we go, what? He says, and it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all his commandment before the Lord our God as he commanded us. It will be righteousness for them to do this? Is this a works-based righteousness? And, and, and you know, if, if you're going, what do you mean by that? It means that I am right before God because I do right. That's what makes me righteous before God because I am a righteous person in all that I do. Okay, so is this a works-based... It says, and it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God, as He commanded us. Yes and no. I mean, you can do works, but if you don't have faith, what are you doing it for? It's a product of your salvation. So you don't works for salvation but it's the works after that's a product of your faith I've heard the word if be translated as since since we observe to do these and so there's a commitment and desire within us to follow that Lord's plan because of, I can't stack these things <coughs> and keep doing that to become righteous because of the Holy Spirit within Yeah, James, James chapter 2 is, is a great picture of this being played out. So I invite you to turn with me to James chapter 2 here for kind of the rest of our time because this is important for us to understand because there are many who would profess to be a Christian who are living by a faith-based, or excuse me, a works-based righteousness that they are going to be justified, made right before God, because they have been baptized, and they are obedient. Then you go, well, that sounds awfully Catholic. Well, it's also awfully Church of Christ. Okay, Church of Christ. There's Christ in the Word, and you have to be baptized, and you have to continue in obedience there. And that is... To say I have to, we're going to get into this quandary in the sermon, so I'll I'll say some of this. (coughs) So James chapter 2, okay, great section on faith and works where James just really, really goes off. Look in uh, verse 22 here. He's talking about Abraham here. He says, you see that faith was active along with his works And faith was completed by his works. Okay. He believed. And how was his faith exhibited? He did. 
we believe, how is our faith exhibited? Okay, it is, but you know what? What is our faith in? That our, our faith, our faith as as a believer leads us to cling to Christ. I mean, that's it. We we cling to Christ. That is going to ultimately lead to obedience from there. And James is going to get, to, or he, he got to that earlier. I'm going to back up here in just a few verses. But that faith is in something. You know, their faith is in God. He commands their obedience. And so they exercise their faith in their obedience. It is fleshed out in their obedience. We see that as he has described it there. It's completed by his works. It, uh, James will use the word justified here in a different way than I just used it. I use the word justified to say I am made right before God. Another understanding of the word justified is proven. Is proven. So when he says in verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by his works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? It's not justified, made right with God. He was proven. His faith was proven when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. It's not he was now made right with God by doing that, but his faith was proven in his, ultimately in his obedience to God. Back in verse 18, James said, someone will say, you have faith, I have works. And James went, scoff. He said, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Because I believe in the living God, because I believe that Christ raised him from the dead, because I have eternal life in him, that is going to flesh out in everything. It's going to flesh out in everything. Not just here in this room. Hopefully it fleshes out at the office. Hopefully it fleshes out at the theater. On the highway, when you stop. Back up one more verse, verse 17. <clears throat> so faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It is dead. So their obedience, their obedience, and again, it's not their, their pharisaical checking off the list obedience. It is their, oh, yes, you betcha, boom. I'm going to go do, I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to keep, I'm going to, I'm going to honor, I'm not going to make idols, I'm going to love my wife, I'm not going to steal, it's your stuff. In fact, I'm going to protect your stuff. And I'm glad that you have your stuff and I'm not going to covet your stuff. Or your talents. It's okay. It's, it's okay. I'll just throw them. There. So, this righteousness. Important. Important when we come on long verses like that that we don't face plant. We go, whoa, holy cow. I mean, it fleshes out within all of Scripture. There. That, that thread of faith and righteousness by faith runs through. So, where's it, where does that leave us here today? Uh, don't put God to the test. Trust Him. 
you know, if you find you're an anxious, worrying person, if you feel like you've got to intervene, like you've got to move God's hand, don't. Handle your responsibilities. Do those things. What's the end going to be? I don't know. And that's okay. No, keep and do what God has said out of love for him. Keep talking to your kids and others about the wonders of God. And, man, if, if, if you're thinking you're a pretty good person, that's what you're trusting in, him alone. Faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, based upon the word of God alone and for his glory alone. Comments, thoughts, questions?